Praise God. Welcome everyone this morning. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad that you are here worshiping with us. It's great to have passing through Pastor Carter from Canada worshiping with us this morning. Great to have you, sir. Amen. Praise God. And if you are joining us on theantioch.com, we welcome you this morning into our broadcast. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can go with me to Exodus chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we'll provide you some reading material on the screen. Exodus chapter 3, verse number 1. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Bible. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert. The King James actually says the backside of the desert. And came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses says, I will, not, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Just to bring you up to speed of where we are in this story, if you know the story of Moses, Moses was born at a time where Pharaoh was having all the children of his age killed. Notice this, that Twice in Scripture we find this takes place. We find it happens with Moses and we find it happens with Jesus. When Moses was born, Pharaoh tried to kill all the male children that were Moses' age. And when Jesus was born, Herod tried to have all the male children around, around Jesus' age killed. The devil may not know your future, but he can recognize the hand of God that's on your life. And in both of these cases here, we find that he tried to stop the plan of God when both of these plans were at their infancy. And we find that Moses was, was taken by his mother and, and put in a basket and, and sent down the river. And the story goes that he was found by the daughter of Pharaoh and taken into Pharaoh's house and, 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 and brought up in that culture, in the Egyptian culture, even though he was a Hebrew of birth. And he began to learn Egyptian ways and had Egyptian ideologies, but he understood down in his heart that he was different. And the story happens that, that he began to recognize who he was inside, not just simply what he was raised as, but he was something on the inside. He was a part of God's chosen people. And and one day he was out walking and he sees this Egyptian beating up on a Hebrew, on a Hebrew uh, man. And in his desire to avenge this, he kills the Egyptian. And he flees from this. And we find him now running away from everything that he had 
been accustomed to. You've got to understand that at that period of time, he was living in the lap of luxury. He had the best of the best. He had available to him everything that the modern, that that, that, that society had at their disposal, he was able to experience. But we find because of all of this, the Bible picks up the story here in Exodus chapter 3, and it says this, that he was on the back side of the desert. Now allow me just for a moment, if you would, the Bible was not written in English. Just in case, I don't mean that to be funny. Some people don't, don't, may, they may not know the origins of Scripture. The Bible's not written in English. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The, most, the, the New Testament was written mostly in Greek, some Aramaic, but mostly in Greek. So in the Hebrew, there are sometimes that in, in the translation, there are, there are concepts and there are words and there are, there, are, there are etymologies of words that get lost when you translate something out of the Hebrew into English. You find that in a lot of cases. If, if, if you've ever had the opportunity to be somewhere where things are being translated, something in English may be like this, but the concept in another language may have to be reversed in order to get the same concept as in English. And so we find that this phrase, back of the desert, and in my mentality, when I think of the back of the desert, we think of a far off, distant place. And, and that's what it was, really. It was a place as far away from Egypt as he could. Because now he was a fugitive. He was a wanted man. He had killed somebody. And not only that, but he was from the palace life. And he couldn't just blend in and just, just hide out. And so in order to survive, the Bible says he goes to the back of the desert. But what's interesting about that phrase, the backside of the desert, is that if you kind of peel it back, there's another meaning that lies underneath there. And the word backside actually means procrastination. The root word there is procrastination. And the in desert can be translated as speech. So in another way you can say that Moses was in the place of procrastinating his speech. What does that mean? That means he didn't want to talk about where he came from. He wanted just to try to forget it, you know, out of sight, out of mind. He didn't want to think about it, want to talk about it. When someone came up to you, hey, where are you from? You're not from around here. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. Because I'm on the backside of the desert. I'm at a place now where, where I'm trying to get away from all of that. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. I, I, I just want it to go all go away. I'm going to snap my fingers and, and I just want it all to go away. And here he is. He, he has carved out an existence in a wilderness, in a desert, far away from the lavish palaces, the flowing river of the Nile. Now he's in this barren place, this, this empty place. And, 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 and now he's being held company by, by flock of sheep instead of being held company by the, the rich, the powerful. And this idea of procrastinated speech where, where he doesn't want to talk about where he's come from. And then one day, he's walking, and out of the corner of his eye, he notices something is on fire. And his curiosity draws him over to examine what's taking place. And he notices as he examines it that there is a bush that's on fire 
but the bush is not burning. And he goes over and he begins to examine the bush and realizes what's going on. And as he's doing this, a voice comes out of the bush. It's amazing how sometimes the length that God has to go to try to get our attention, folks. And God speaks to Moses out of a bush that's on fire, that's not being consumed. And they begin to have this dialogue, and, and God begins to speak to him about who he is. And in this whole conversation, he finally says, listen, I've heard the cry of my people in Egypt. And Moses, I've selected you to be the one that delivers him. Wait a minute. Time out. You want me to do what? Now notice this. It's one thing to argue with God in your head. It's a whole nother argument to argue with a bush that's on fire. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Listen. If I am on my way home today and I'm driving down Baydale, which is not too far from here, how I get to my house, and a tree is on fire, and I stop my car and I look and notice that the tree's on fire, but it's not burning. And I get out of my car and I'm standing there looking at this amazing phenomenon, and a voice comes out of that tree that says, Joel, this is God. I'm going to tell you this right now. Whatever that voice tells me, I'm convinced. You got me. I'm ready to go. But Moses was so, oh, how can we put this in a kind way? He was so mentally blocked by what he was trying to avoid that even when God shows up like this and tries to show him this great work, he doesn't see it. So finally, they get to talking a little bit longer. And I think Moses is starting to realize, well, there may not be a way out of this. And finally, he says, okay, fine, you know, sure, I'll go. You know, sometimes we, we try to manipulate God a little bit. and We start trying to appease God. Sure, I'll go. But, you know, really, it's not going to work, you know. It's not going to go as according to plan. Let me just play out the scenario to you, God, okay? I'm going to go back. I'm going to knock on the door. They're going to come to the door and they say, who is it? Um, Moses. Moses, what are you doing back here? You don't belong here. I, I know, but I got to talk to Pharaoh. Well, what do you need to talk to? Do you need to confess over the murder? Do you want to turn yourself in? No, 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 I don't want to do that. Well, what do you want, Moses? Well, it's not a big deal. But you know all those people out there that you have in slavery? Could you kind of let them go? You know, if you get around to it, could you let them go? God, what do you think his response is going to be? And God says, what do you got in your hand, Moses? He said, it's just my rod. He said, throw it down on the ground. So he throws it down on the ground, and the rod becomes a serpent. Where's Brother David uh, Weaverly? Is he here today? Where is he at? Oh, he's in the back. Brother, I, got, I try to tell this story. Brother Weaverlin has that truck out there on the side that he's letting us borrow, and it had been sitting for a while. And he, he, was, he was bringing it down here, and as he's driving along, 
Sure enough, a snake starts coming out of the steering column as he's driving. <laughs> not a little garden snake, not a little pet snake, but like a four-foot snake comes out of that. And as he's trying to grab it, the story, I think it fell down and he got... I'm telling you this right now. Let me just put this to you. <laughs> there is no way in this world you want to be near me if a snake comes out of in my car. There's no way. And so here's Moses. He has really now... He should have stuck with the magic trick of the fire on the tree because now he's made God upset. Now God's got a snake in front of him. And God says, reach back down, grab him by the tail, reaches back down, and that snake turns back into a rod. So now we have two things that are just mind-blowing that God's doing to try to get a hold of Moses and get his attention. And finally, they get talking, and he says, Moses, take your hand, put it inside your bosom. So he takes his hand, and he puts it inside of his clothes, and he pulls it back out, and now his hand is covered with leprosy. Now he's really doomed. And God says, put it back in there. He puts it back in, pulls it back out. And now it's perfect again. And he still, at that point, didn't quite believe it. His final last straw of the whole deal was, he says, listen, sure, I can do the magic tricks and I can do all that. Now it will work. That's cool. But the moment they asked me to open up my mouth, I can't even speak that well. God said, I got that covered. You're going to take Aaron with you, your brother. He's going to talk for you. But what was all of this about? Yes, it was about the Israelites being free and God getting the Israelites out of Egypt and all that. But it was also about what was going on inside Moses that brings us to you and I today. Because you see, Moses could not go to where he needed to do in his destiny until he first had to go back in Egypt and tell Egypt, let my future go because you see Moses his future was locked up in Egypt because he could never become what he wanted to do he could never freely roam the country so to speak as long as the things in Egypt were left unresolved he didn't want to talk about it he didn't want to deal with it he wanted just to keep going but the problem is when he didn't do that he was stuck in a wilderness place he was stuck in a place of no return. He was stuck in a place where there's not much fruit, where there's not much growth, where there's not much blessing. It's a desert place. You can find pockets of growth. You can find moments of an oasis where you get moments of relief and moments of pleasure and moments of, moments of growth. But, but the rest of it is all just desert. He didn't have the ability to roam and find the greatest pastures that were available because he knew if I get in the wrong place and somebody recognizes me, I'm in trouble. And what God was trying to say was, listen, Moses, I want to take you to a place of greatness, but it can't take you to that place until you're first willing to look back and to stop procrastinating about where you came from and speak to your past and say, let my future go. Because Jesus later gives us some insight. John chapter 8. Again, reading out of the New King James, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in Him, 
If you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall what? You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Do you know what the biggest problem we have sometimes is? We live our lives based off the lie. We live our lives, V-E-S, based off the lies that we are told about ourselves or the things around us. Because you see, Moses was being held captive by a lie. Moses was being held captive by a lie that was playing over and over in his head. You can't go back there. You can't do that. You can't experience that again because you go back there, they're going to arrest you. You go back there, they're going to put you to death. Lie, 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 lie. You see, most of the time, experiences in our life have effect, but it's what the lie tells us that has a greater effect. Someone does something to us, that's one thing, but it's then the lie of saying, well, you know, they wouldn't do that to you if you were a better person. They wouldn't do that to you if you were nicer. They wouldn't do that to you if you were worth more. You're just no good. That's why people treat you like that. And Jesus says to them, you shall know the truth and the truth shall... What? Put that back up there. That verse. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Then they answered, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say... You will be made free. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Now watch this. We read this Right here. And it means something to us in our world. You shall be free. You shall make you free. You shall be free indeed. But, but let's just go back for a minute and allow me just for a, for a moment to take you back to the mentality of the people that were listening to him today and when he said that. Because at that time, there were three classes of people. There were slaves, there were freed men, F-R-E-E-D, and then they were free men. There were three different, there were slaves, freed, and free. If you were a slave, you could be set free. And often, a lot of slaves during that period of time were set free. But it wasn't set free. It was a lot of times, it was, it was, a, it was kind of set free because the, the, the master was, was going to use their freedom to his advantage. But if you were a slave, you could only become a freed man. You couldn't become a free man. And there was a difference between a freed man and a free man. Because a free man was a total citizen. But a freed man was someone that was used to be a slave, even though he's not a slave now, but he still doesn't have all the rights of a free man. So, if you were a slave, and the master set you free, you then became a freed man. But the problem was, you still lived legally under the umbrella of his house. You still legally were under his house even though you now were a freed man. You weren't out from his house. And a freed man could not become a free man. But Jesus says this. 
He who the Son makes you free, that word free connotates the being a freed man. He said, I'm not simply about making you a freed person where I simply just remove you out of where you used to be. You're no longer a slave, but you still hold the stigma of what you used to be as a slave. Because you see, when you said you were a freed man, automatically people knew you were a former slave. You carried the stigma of slavery. You could become successful. You could own a business. You could, do bit, you, could, you, could, you could be a part of the culture, but you're always a freed man. They always knew what you used to be. They always knew you used to be a slave because I'm a freed man. But Jesus said this, I'm not interested in simply making you a freed man. Because you see, if you're a freed man, you're still under the house of the old master. You're still under the umbrella of the old master. You may not have to do everything he tells you to do, but you're still a part of that old lifestyle because you used to be a slave and now you're free. But he said, who the son has set free will be free indeed. That word free means to be a citizen, which is the highest part of being free. But watch this. A freed man could not become a free man. The only way a freed man could become a free man is somehow you'd have to reach back into his life all the way from the time he was born and change the circumstances from which he was born into. <laughs> because the birth and the being conquered determined slavery. And once the slavery was put upon him, you could no longer change the fact that you were a slave. But Jesus said, I'm not interested in simply getting you freed from the things that are, are bound you, the things that are binding you, so you can walk around and say, well, I'm free, but I used to be this, and I used to be that. He said, listen, I'm not interested in simply setting you free. Ha! But I'm interested in making you free indeed. Which means this. I'm going to go back to the moment when all of this started. All the way back in the past. From where it all started. And from that moment. So it's not, hey, I'm not simply interested in changing you and getting you free from drugs. Let's just take it, let's just bring it back into our world, okay? All right? So let's just bring it back. That's the Bible. We're going to bring it. You and I are talking. I'm not interested in simply getting you free from drugs. I'm actually going to go all the way back to the first time you had a needle, a snort, a dip. All the way back from where it began. I'm not starting from where it ended. I'm starting from where it began. Because if I go back to the beginning... If I go back to the beginning and I erase it all from where it started, no longer will you hold to what you used to be. It will be as if it never happened. I 
I'm not interested in having a bunch of freed people walking around with their head down talking about what I used to be, what I am. I'm wanting some people that can walk around their shoulders back, their head up. It's not about what I used to be. It's about who he's made me to be. He said, I'm going to go all the way back. That's why Nicodemus said, how can you be born again? Can you enter again into your mother's womb a second time? He said, no, 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 you're missing it. What what was done in the natural is going to be finished in the spiritual. You may not be able to go back to the very beginning yourself. You may not be able to go back to where it all started yourself. But he said, listen, if someone else makes you free, you're still going to just be a freed man. But he said, listen. The Son of Man is not interested in just making you freed. The Son of Man is not interested in simply making you a freed man. But he said, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. Do you know what that means for each and every one of us in here today? It means simply this, that we are not defined by what we've done, but we are defined by who he has made us to be. Because you see, a freed man didn't have all the rights of a free man. A freed man couldn't do what a free man could. He could do some, but he couldn't do all of it. There were certain parts of society that a freed man could not participate in. There were certain places a freed man couldn't go. There were certain circles a freed man couldn't walk in. But a free man, who was a citizen who had all the rights of citizenship. Notice this. Paul was being interrogated by a high-ranking official at the end of the book of Acts. And they were ready to do away with Paul. And he said, I demand, as a citizen of Rome, and he began to spill his rights out, because as a citizen, he had certain rights. You see, when you just look at yourself as a freed man, you're always defining where you're going from where you've been. Because a freed man understood, I can do great things, but I'm always going to be defined by what I used to be. I'm always going to be defined by the actions of my past. I'm always going to be defined by the things that I've done, where I've come from, where I was born, how I was raised. And it doesn't matter the success that he has. He's always labeled with that label of what you used to be. And God was so desiring to get across to you and I That this is not just about mind over matter. But in God's book, which is the only book that matters. Your book doesn't matter. My book doesn't matter. His book is the only one that matters, right? We can just throw our books away. 
I turned mine into an ebook. It's somewhere on my iPad somewhere because it doesn't matter. The only book that matters is his book. And he said, listen, when I do what I want to do in my book, I'm never going to see you anymore from what you used to be. Because when I look at you, I only see you for who you are. Why is that important? It's important because the adversary uses our past to try to predict our future. Because he doesn't know our future. The adversary will use your past as a way to try to predict your future. You see, every got it all together, but you remember that last time you thought you had it all together and you messed up. So it's going to happen again. You see, you'll never become what you need to be because, you know, your dad was like this and your grandfather was like this and you, you're going to eventually end up like this. Your mother was like this. Your grandmother was like this. You're, and so he uses our past to define our future. But God has a problem. He does. We need to help God out today. You know why? He doesn't even know you have a past. Do you realize that? God doesn't even realize you have a past. Because when you say, well, Lord, I can't be this because of that, he's like, what are you talking about? What what are you even bringing that up for? I have no idea what you're talking about because God is so powerful and so strong and so mighty that when he takes all of the things in your life, he says, I'm going to throw it as far as the east is from the west. You know what? This is not scientific and it's a little crazy, but it's fun anyways. They say the universe is expanding, right? There's a lot of scientific things, but let me just throw a little spin on it. You know why the universe is expanding? Because it needs more room. Because my sins are traveling out. And because my sins can't come back this way. God's got to keep making the universe bigger. Because he's got all my stuff that he said, listen, I'm going to take it all. I'm going to ball it up. And I'm going to throw it. And it's got to keep on going. And because I'm God and I can't go back on my word, I've got to make the universe bigger because i got to keep having the place where your sin will keep going and going and going and going. Huh? So I'm going to throw it out there. And I'm going to make it bigger and bigger and bigger because I'm going to make sure it keeps traveling and traveling and traveling so that I can't get it back. And so I'm not going to define you by what you've done. I can only define you by who you are and what you're going to be. Because notice this, the devil predicts our future by our past, but God speaks to our future from the future. (laughs) 
the devil is standing alongside with us because he's not God, right? God fills all space and all time. God's infinite, meaning he doesn't have an end, doesn't have a beginning. So he's the supreme being. So that means he fills everything, he knows everything, he does everything, he has all power, right? Well, the devil's not like that. The devil's a falling angel. He's not God. He'll try to tell you he's God, but he's not God. So he doesn't have the ability like God is to see the future and the past and everything together. So what does he do? He stands alongside of it and says, well, based on where we've been, I can tell you where we're going. Right? But God is over here calling to us from the place that he's already been to and knows. He's not telling you out of this distant thought or pep talk about if you do this you're going to be it he already knows it because he's been there because he he lives in all space and all time so when he says i'm going to make you free and not simply freed i'm going to get rid of all of that i'm going to make it a blank slate behind you and you're going to become a citizen in my kingdom and as a citizen in my kingdom. But not only that, he goes to the back to the previous verse. He says, a slave doesn't live in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Not only am I going to be a, 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 a citizen, I'm going to be a child. I'm going to have the rights. And I'm going to carry the household of the kingdom in my life forever because of who he is and what he's put. Nothing to do with where I came from. You know that song, there's a song we, we sing sometimes, no more shackles, no more chains. When we sing that, God's probably looking down going, what shackles, what chains are you talking about? I have no idea what you're saying. It sounds funny, but that's the case. Because he's taken all that, he's washed it, he's cleansed it, he's made it all go away. So my question to you is, if God's forgot it, why are you keep bringing it up? If God doesn't remember it, why do you keep reminding it? Why? Because God desires each and every person in this place not to just simply live as a freed man, but to truly be a free man. And he said, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Notice there's a difference between set you free and make you free. He didn't say the truth shall set you free. He said the truth shall make you free. In my little peon brain, that's two different ways because if the truth sets me free, it's all on the truth. But if the truth makes me free, that means the truth has a part and I got a part. Because in order for something to be make, it's got to be created. If it's just simply set me free, there's no creative act involved in being set free. But he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Which means the truth comes in my life, and then I use the power of the truth to create. <laughs> to create, to make freedom. How do I do that? I make it by what I speak. And when I begin to speak truth, I make freedom. So when I begin to do it, I create, I become creative, a creative power, a creative force by what I'm speaking. 
Because he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth and the truth will create freedom. It creates freedom. When I begin to believe the truth, stop believing the lie. Would you stand with me today? So many of us today are bound in our lives by a lie. So many of us today are being manipulated emotionally, mentally, by lies that are being told in our minds. By things that are being spoken to us and that we believe are the truth when they're not the truth at all. Because in God's kingdom, there are no failures. In God's kingdom, there are no mess-ups. In God's kingdom, there are no rejects, flaws. Because in God's kingdom, He has made us to become free. Not defined by Egypt. Not held captive by Egypt. But simply to become free. And there's a lot of people in here today that God has touched your life, but you only live as a freed man. You don't live as a free man. You don't live as a free man. You don't walk around as a free man. You walk around freed. Meaning you walk around defining who you are by where you've been. And anytime something goes contrary, you remind God yourself and anybody else who will listen, I knew it. I'm flawed. I'm messed up. I'm no good. Wait a minute. If God isn't able to fix that, then Calvary was a waste of time. But he said, I'm going to be able to reach in from the very beginning to the start. I'm not simply going to go to the moment, but I'm going to go all the way back in time to where it starts. And I'm taking it all the sting away. The devil wants to try to tell you today that that's too good to be true. It can't really happen. That's just a bunch of religious rhetoric. It's just a bunch of, you know, crazy rantings, religious things. It's not. We live in a modern world today, preacher. Don't you know we are advanced? Yeah, we're so advanced today. We got more people depressed, more people unhappy, more people committing suicide every day. We are advanced, aren't we? We've got all the answers, don't we? We are advanced. Yeah, that old stuff, that old religious stuff, that old stuff, you know, that happened years ago, that's just a good story, but it really doesn't really help us today because we're just past all that. Really? Really. The problem is there are too many people in this room that can testify. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. But now I see. To know today that you 
don't have to live your life bound by a lie. You don't have to live your life today trapped by a lie. But the Bible says, He who the Son has made free will be free indeed. Meaning, I'm not simply going to make you a free man, but I'm going to take away the lie, the past, and everything that defines you to make you new. If you're here today, whether it's your first time here or you come here regularly, you don't have to live bound by a lie. You don't have to live bound by a lie because the power of the name the authority of the word and the cleansing power of the blood is able to set you free from every lie. When you look at your future, what do you see? I close with this. When you look at your future, what do you see? Do you see a pattern that will be repeated? Do you see hopelessness? Do you see dread? Do you look at your future knowing and already predicting what it will be based off where you've been? Or when you look at your future, do you see hope? Not hope in you, but do you see hope that, you know what? I'm not there yet, but I'm going to be there. I'm not there yet, but I'm going there. I, I may not be quite there yet. There, there may be some more bumps along the way, but I know what's ahead of me. I know what's in front of me. Why? Because I know who he is. You don't have to live by a lie today. You don't have to live trapped by a lie. But truly, you can be set free today. If you're here today and you're being tortured by a lie, if you're here today and your, your path, your future seems overwhelmed by your past and there seems to be just an emptiness ahead of you and a darkness trailing behind you, if you're here today, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to live at the mercy of a lie any longer. You don't have to live at the mercy of where you've been any longer. But as the Bible says, he who the Son has set free will, shall, be free indeed right where you're standing right now I'm going to ask if you would just close your eyes and bow your head and as the Lord is in this place today I pray right now as we are in this moment that God would begin to bring faith into your heart that you would begin to believe not the words of a preacher because my words can't help you but you would begin to believe the words that were spoken here today that are out of the Word of God to know I don't have to be what I used to be. I can be who He's made me to be. I don't have to live with these lies. I don't have to live with these lies any longer, but I truly can live a life that's not defined by the lies of my head but are defined by the lines in the Word of God. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I speak your word today. Every heart and every life, I lose faith to be in operation in this place right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
If you're here today and you want to get free from the lies in your, that are battling your mind, if you're here today and you want hope for a future, if it's your first time or you come every week, I'm going to invite you to come down here today and give God an opportunity to truly take you to a whole new place in Him, to no longer live as a freed man, but to live as a free man. Come on, if God's spoken you today, why don't you let Him do it today? Come on. If you're near somebody today, won't you invite them to come down and pray with you? Let God do something in your life today. You don't have to live at the mercy of a lie any longer. You don't have to live at the mercy of a lie. If you're here today and you're being trapped by the mercy of a lie, let God's word, let his blood set you free. Oh, in the name of Jesus. 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 In the name of Jesus, that washes white as snow. Oh, the blood. Come on, there are those that are coming. Would you come and join with us and let God do something new in your life? Come on, let God do something new for you today. Let God do something new for you today. It's not about joining a church, it's not about becoming a part of religion. It's simply about letting Jesus do something new in your life. White. Oh, the blood, oh, the blood, oh, the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Of Jesus. For we say now, oh, the blood. Oh, Jesus, washes white as snow. For we say now, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh.
Respectful of those that are still praying. If you need to go, God bless you. Of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Singing all the blood. 